0: This is uh, Dr. Ron Pearl. I'm chair of the Department of Anesthesiology, Perioperative and Pain Medicine at Stanford University. You are listening to Interview with the Surgeon, with the Surgeon Agent.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining Interview with the Surgeon. Timmy, welcome Dr. Ronald Perl, chair of anesthesiology at Stanford. Doc, how are we doing today?
0: Good. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Thank you for being with us. You know, getting started, what were your goals and aspirations during your residency, and how have those changed throughout your fellowship?
0: So it goes back really to uh, college and medical school, when in my mind, I decided that I was uh, interested in an academic career, which would combine uh, clinical care of patients, because that was always critically important to me, and why I went into medicine, Uh, with research to advance the field. As a resident, uh, my focus is really on the uh, clinical care uh, aspects of becoming the best physician I could be. Uh, But uh, there was always during that time, the plan that I would uh, be going on in an academic position and having that uh, Standard combination of uh, clinical care, uh, education, and, uh, and research uh, going on. Uh, my path was a little different in that I first did internal medicine residency uh, and critical care fellowship and spent some years on the faculty of medicine before going and doing a second uh, residency in anesthesiology. But uh, the goal of all of that time was always to go ahead and have that sort of a triple threat uh, presence.
1: So taking us through that last year, you know, what was your mentality getting into your first job search and how that perspective
0: changed in the beginning years of your career? So uh, like many people, I think uh, through most of my training, I did not give much thought at all to a job search at the end of it. Uh, It was always that will be, The the year that I need to go and find a job is when I will do that. Uh, I was uh, fortunate in that uh, from residency, I stayed and was able to do a fellowship. And during fellowship was offered a a faculty uh, position. And so uh, there and was what I wanted. So at that point, there really was no uh, job search involved. Uh, This was when I finished my first fellowship. Uh, But afterwards, at different times, I did question, you know, is this really the position I want? So there was some job search at that point in time. Uh, For me, a critical aspect in terms of a job search was really uh, spending a lot of time thinking thinking what is it that I really want uh, out of a job? Uh, What are the aspects of it it which are important? To what extent is being in academics uh, critical to me? Uh, What is the mixture of activities I want uh, in a position? Do I want a job which is 80% research, a job which is 80% clinical, one which is more 50-50? And, uh, and then what are the uh, potential opportunities uh, to achieve that? And for me, being already at Stanford, were there places that would offer me uh, a better option than, when, than what I had here? In the end, I decided that uh, with the change from internal medicine to anesthesiology, I could accomplish everything I wanted, and uh, fortunately, that's turned out to be accurate. Can you briefly take us through your journey and
1: how you became the chair of the anesthesiology program?
0: Uh, Yes. Uh, I think there are many people whose goal is to be a chair of a department. I have to say that was never really my goal at all. Uh, I was pretty busy uh, between doing uh, anesthesia in the operating room, doing uh, critical care in the ICU, uh, teaching and, and, and research that I was not at all thinking about wanting to be a chair. I think uh, an important aspect in all of this is sort of serendipity, uh, that as opportunities come along, you, uh, you make the best use of those opportunities, uh, in my case, a critical aspect of it was uh, I've always been interested in uh, in finance, and uh, ended up to be vice chair for finance in the department, which was not a particularly major uh, role, but uh, the department did have financial uh, challenges at this t- at this point when uh, basically all anesthesia departments throughout the country were under significant financial stress. I, uh, At the request of the department chair wrote a uh, sort of white paper for the dean in terms of what we needed to do to uh, solve those financial issues. And I think that got me some level of recognition. Uh, When uh, the chair at that point uh, basically was asked to resign, uh, and they did a search. I therefore was a candidate. I never really, again, thought that that was something I would want to do, but as I saw the, uh, other candidates, uh, decided that, that I felt it was important to the department to, uh, to, for me to, uh, considered being a candidate for chair because I thought the culture we had was one that was important to, to preserve and was somewhat unique here. So I, so I became a candidate uh, for the search uh, for a new chair at, at that time. So uh, I would say I didn't really know what being a chair would be like. Uh, there was a lot of surprises afterwards and as I talk to new chairs, that's commonly uh, uh, the story. Most people, until you're in that role, you don't really understand how you spend all of your time, uh, but it's been a great experience for me. So kind of on that mindset, what would you say
1: were some of the keys of your success that shaped your early career as you climbed the ranks of the academic world?
0: So uh, before being chair, um, I think uh, a, a critical aspect of this is always uh, relationships and uh, networking and, and people and uh, basically you know, establishing yourself as someone that people can, can rely on, who's reasonable, can provide advice, someone who has uh, at the heart of medicine is always you know, commitment to patient care and uh, is thought of as, as an outstanding uh, physician. I think uh, also someone who's capable of thinking uh, uh, broadly, uh, having a vision uh, that uh, is not simply uh, taking care of things on a day-to-day basis, but uh, has gotten involved in In different areas, whether that's in your department, in your hospital, in your community, and uh, has, uh, you know, sort of the respect of people uh, around you, uh, has has been important. I think again, uh, both uh, making the best use of opportunities as they come along, but also. uh, being recognized as someone who's being willing to put the work in uh, to, to solve problems uh, is important. Uh, the advancing in the academic ranks is something that uh, just in one sense occurs when you're doing your job uh, correctly. Uh, the uh, research part of it uh, in, in my, in my uh, for where I was, was also important. And again, it was the same thing that as new ideas came along, going ahead and doing what you could to adopt them to staying in front of where the field is and being a leader in that field and uh, getting recognition. Uh, important is you know going to meetings and uh, networking and so you get recognized. Uh, this was in the days before social media, but nowadays if I was advising people, social media is a critical aspect of that level of recognition. I think uh, the other critical aspect of it is is mentorship and I was fortunate to have an uh, incredible mentor and as we talk about nowadays it's not just mentorship which Uh, for want of a better term, is telling people what to do, but also sponsorship of a a mentor who goes and introduces you to the right people, who gets you uh, speaking uh, engagements, who tells people about the great job uh, that you're doing, and uh, does things like gets you on the right committees, and uh, as well tells you how to progress your career in terms of the things you should be doing. Now, as the chair of the program,
1: what advice do you have for the graduating chief residents and fellows entering the professional job market for the first time?
0: So um, uh, if I step back and sort of think about, uh, again, uh, what it is that people are looking for uh, in jobs, uh, they should spend a lot of time introspectively in terms of what, what do they want out of job? Do they want an academic job that involves research? They want a job which is clinical care and teaching. Do they want a uh, private practice job? Uh, they should think some about what sort of practice setting do they want? Do they want to be, you know, in a big city? Do they want to be in a uh, more suburban or rural area? Do they want to join a group which is a very, very large group? Do they want to join a, do they want to be in solo practice, on on the other hand? uh, As part of a group, do they want a culture where people are sort of independent versus, uh, you know, a call schedule where you're not taking care of your patients on call? You know, that's done by whoever the call uh, person is. Uh, Do they want to join a group where the expectation is you work 40 hours a week or where the expectation is you work 80 hours a week? And to to really get an idea of of that aspect. Uh, For many people, geography is also going to be a a critical thing. Are they needing to be somewhere because of a partner or family? Uh, Do they want to go somewhere they've never been? Uh, Do they want to try and stay where they are? So I think before they start thinking about jobs, they should really figure out what is the job that they want and where do they want to find that job? I think in most places they will have an opportunity to speak to a lot of people where they are training and find out from them, their experience. Uh, most people have not been at their institution forever. Uh, many of them have had experience with other with other jobs and they will get, I would say, a relatively consistent uh, story about what works and does not work in a job. And uh, importantly is to uh, really know the people you're going to be working with. Uh, what their expectations are and what your expectations are, and be sure that there really is a good match. Uh, When they get to looking for a job, most people end up finding a job by personal uh, interaction, that someone in your program knows someone where you want to go and they and they make that introduction is critical, or you already know that, uh, that place and you have that introduction, or at a minimum, uh, when you send, you know, a, uh, a CV and a cover letter that you communicate why is it that you really want to be part of this group uh, so that they know something about you and what, what you're looking for. Because if there's not that real match of what your goals and expectations are and the groups, you end up there and several years later, you find out that, that neither side is particularly happy. You may be doing a great job, but, but you're not happy and you're not gonna stay there with that, uh, with that group.
1: So as we were dealing with the pandemic in 2020 now, also now in 2021, you know, what advice do you have for the graduating class regarding their networking and outreach process in a virtual world?
0: Yes. So, uh, so COVID-19 has made this entire process uh, much more uh, challenging. Uh, interviews are often uh, virtual. Uh, you don't get to uh, Go out to dinner with the people in the group. You don't get to sit down and really uh, see what they're like. Uh, I, I think uh, like most things with COVID, it's to do the best you can. Uh, that, uh, to uh, one, get very good at how you communicate on on Zoom. Uh, I think most of these will be Zoom uh, interviews and to be prepared beforehand. So to know what, what information you want to get out of that uh, meeting and to know what you want to communicate uh, as, as part of that. Again, because there's less uh, direct interaction, having your uh, CV resume be perfect is important. And uh, most people, when you send something, what they really focus on is your cover letter and being sure again, it's, it's clear about what is it that you are bringing, but also what is it that, that you think that you really want to see in the, in the group that, that, that you're gonna be joining. And I think that equally applies almost anywhere you're looking for in academics in, in community practice also, again, you know, understand what it is that, that they're, they're looking for and how you are going to help them uh, fulfill it. Uh, I think uh, when you take, you know, before you take a job, yes, you almost definitely have to go and interview in person. It's the only way they will really know you, and and that that you will know them, and that's uh, absolutely uh, critical. I would say that uh, almost all of the stories I know of where people took a job and it didn't work out, when you talk to those people, they recognize that they could have figured this out before they ever took the job. And there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement and people liked to imagine, yes, everything's going to be perfect I don't really have to know what I'm getting into beforehand, and uh, I think you both should know what, what, what it is that's actually the expectation, but also uh, get the opportunity to really meet with the people you're going to be working with and uh, get a feeling that it's the right match. Being the leader of the program, what are you looking
1: for when you're interviewing medical students for residence spots and also residents for fellowship spots?
0: Yes, so uh, so it's, it's much easier interviewing uh, uh, medical students for residency because uh, we have great information about them. Uh, we're looking for people who have clearly excelled academically And uh, nowadays, we're able to get that from basically their medical school record. Uh, For us, we put the larger focus on their uh, clinical clerkships. I I know many specialties focus a lot on their clerkship in their own area. Uh, For anesthesiology, uh, that for us has been less important because those clerkships tend to be shorter. And our sense is that uh, we don't really get great information because the role of a anesthesia resident is very different than the role of a medical student on anesthesia uh, rotation, but we are very concerned of how have they done during that period of time. We are also looking for people who uh, basically are interesting and are interested so we very much look at what volunteer and leadership activities uh, have they been involved in. Uh, It also tells us whether they basically have bandwidth to do things and the person who did really well academically but spent all that time simply doing that is obviously Uh, not as strong as the candidate who did really well academically, but also was able to uh, do multiple other activities, particularly at a leadership level. We are interested in people who will be leaders. And uh, a lot of that, again, comes from looking at their activities, but also what are their career goals. So when I interview people, I often you know ask the question 10 years from now tell me what your life is going to look like and you get you learn a lot from that from that question and we want people who in some way will be leaders lots of different ways of doing that they may be leaders in their clinical group in their hospital in their community in global health in organized medicine But they're all people who are going to do more than just be good physicians. They're going to be people that, uh, you know, we want to, on our annual uh, magazine that we put out, you know, where we feature, you know, people, you know, that's, we're not featuring people because they were great clinicians. We're featuring them because they've done other things. So we're looking at that. um, And then, you know, a lot comes down to the, to the interview process, people who are articulate, who are clearly uh, deep thinkers, uh, who we think will clearly be committed to a residency, which is hard work, and to, to the goals that we want them to achieve in their lives. Uh, this year was interesting as you talk about uh, COVID and Zoom. We felt that we were able to get the exact same interview information as we did when people were there in person again uh with with technology but also with thinking about in advance uh we are able to really get a good conversation going and, and get to getting to know people uh during that time when we think about uh fellows you know people who have done residency uh as i said it's actually more challenging because at least in our specialty, uh, we don't get much information about how people did during residency. Uh, the the letters of recommendation provide very little information uh, to us. Uh, everyone's always has great letters of recommendation. There is no grading system. Uh, we do look at uh, uh, USML, uh, at uh, at activities that they did during residency, but during residency, it's, uh, it takes a lot of focus. And so many people have not done a lot uh, during, during residency. We have, uh, anesthesiology is a large specialty. We match uh, 30 people a year. Uh, and so it's, uh, we're interviewing significantly more than 30. You can't make a lot of personal contacts to other programs as you might in a small specialty uh where you can call up the residency program director and and ask about an individual so 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 we do struggle with it uh in that uh, there there's less information but uh for fellowship uh, as uh, for residency we can't call all all the uh all the places, but for fellowship, the numbers are smaller. So most of our fellowships are uh, six people and our fellowship program directors know all all, all the fellowship program directors at other places. And so we will frequently make those phone calls. How did this person really do in residency? There is a move towards A formal program director of letter that is comparative uh, in many specialties, and we do see some of that for our fellowships, those can be very effective, particularly if we know what sort of letters that person writes and can trust that when they say this person is in the the top uh, part of the residency class, that they truly were in that category.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Interview with the Surgeon. Until next time, stay focused and keep following your dreams.